doors are opening. Bradford train making all stops. This is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Freight Train, Beyond Understanding. Once again, for those who didn't hear the 100th episode, go back, check that out. Freight Train from Philadelphia, reformed, reignited. This is the second track that they've released and a video was shot two Sundays ago outside of... Philadelphia in the legendary City Gardens venue in Trenton, New Jersey by Sharky and Mechanical Shark Media. And this was on the reference of Hard Carl, Jinx Proof, and BJJ United and all that. Carl had known that people had been traveling into the venue, which is in complete collapse and imminent destruction mode, according to the city of Trenton. What do they call that? Demolition. 
not destruction, imminent demolition. It's a ran down building, but it's a home of so many amazing hardcore shows in the area. And then the idea sprung to do a video in that same venue. And who better than Freight Train? Now, uh, spoiler alert, there's a guest drummer for the video, Chris Marguerite, who was celebrating the Matt Summers Bowl the night before, did not get up and be a part of the video, but he knew ahead of time. So I jumped in and played the part of the drummer for the video. Yeah, so we're going to have a link to YouTube for the video and... I promise you there's going to be some awesome, awesome freight train uh, for a show coming up soon. We're organizing it. We want to make sure it is the uh, the right atmosphere, temperature, timing, all that for the reformation and return of the one and only freight train. Um, this is the second time that I've recorded this. I previously recorded it soon after the interview discussion that I had with our guest tonight and I spoke a lot about different things and then in the last I want to say eight hours my entire life changed and I was called while at work and told that my dog was dying and just under five hours ago I put my dog to sleep you know you've heard him on this podcast which is hilarious. You've met him in person. You've seen pictures of him on the internet. But uh, just rest easy, Abel. My 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 dog I've had the longest, 11 and a half years. And thank you to everybody who's reached out. He had a ruptured tumor on his spleen and other tumors possible. So this was the easy way out. And we sat with him to his last breath. And I love dogs. And this has been the dog that has been with me the longest. Hardcore has always had an affinity for dogs and for pit bulls. And I gotta say, I'm, I'm torn, man. Had I known how hard it would have been to lose him, I may never have wanted him. Because of just how much I do love him. And how much I will miss him. And if you hear any of some of them old episodes, you might hear me yelling at Abel. You might hear his toenails across the floor. But he will be missed. In keeping in the sadder end of things, I, but also with a positive end, um, my family, my mother and my sister, had gotten together and did a GoFundMe because my mother had been suffering from a return of cancer. And in that return of cancer led her with few options to be able to work. And she had a mastectomy in 2017 with breast cancer. This time around when they rescanned her, I remember being on the phone with her and her being like, they said it lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm not going through chemo. I don't care. And I'm like, you're going to fight it. You're going to beat it and just shut up. She ended up with shoulder surgery because of cancer in her shoulder and her hip was completely deteriorated because of cancer. She's just finally getting out of the care between the surgery and post-surgery. And she's been released to my sister's care. And just like typical my mother, the first thing she's talking about doing is jumping back, getting back to work, trying to catch up on bills. And my sister just was like, there's no way 
you're going to be able to rehabilitate yourself if you're rushing back to work. So we had a brief conversation, and she set a small uh, amount on the GoFundMe, hoping to just be able to cover some of what my mother had owed and what my mother will future owe so she can take the rest of February and some of March off. That way she can be at her full strength again. My mom's going to be 60 March 6th. I know. It's crazy thing. She's going to be 60. Uh, many people know her. And she's housed many people. And just We can go on days and about her. But the real, the real story is that so many people from the hardcore scene reached out and donated that they're way over their goal. And the support that the hardcore scene has given my family is just, there's no words. When my mother saw that the goal was met, she was already in tears. And then when it surpassed the goal, it was mind-blowing. And so in the 24 hours since I said this, it just, again, there was a lot of naysayers in this world who listen to hardcore music but deny the power of the scene De- detract denounce defame the power of the culture and more importantly what the community does for itself and inwardly I've seen more good things happen to people who are just regular non-band people just regular as hardcore people that everybody loves they have an entire family. They form around them and help them in these times. And I am blessed to have the family and the hardcore scene to be able to reach out and speak to my mother, donate to my mother. It means the fucking world to me. It means the world to our family. So I just want to take this time to thank you all for the generosity. And I will be unexpectedly, the passing of Abel has kind of pushed some work off and I wanted to have some handwritten notes and just some nice words said to direct people that were so generous. But uh, I'm going to need the weekend or so to just kind of recuperate and get my thoughts straight. And so the best thing I can tell you to do is to go to phillyhcshows.com. Go to T-I-H-C Fest on Twitter. And this is Hardcore Fest about that on Instagram. And obviously we're on Facebook and we're on for Philly Hardcore Shows and face and, or, and this Hardcore for Facebook. Um, we have a ton of cool shows, and my brain is just sort of too shot to list them all off. But the main one you should go check out is Sunday the 19th, where Reaching Out is doing their record release in North Jersey in a hall. And I don't have the flyer in front of me. I was less prepared because I was re-editing this one. And try to make it more succinct because the original opening was like 25 fucking minutes long. And me just blathering home. So, without further ado, we're going to jump into a short discussion with Justin Clemo and Ben Stuckey of the band Fool's Game. In an effort to make sure that the eye is staying on the prize. We are talking to the people of the now and not just the people of the then. I wanted to bring on two local kids men, young men, not quite full men, half men, and hear the whole thing about Fool's Game, and many people listening to these episodes have seen this with the Fool's Game art, with the Fool's Game um, intros of the songs, and maybe some of us who have been in bands back when in our late teens, early 20s, and even furthering on, will kind of nostalgically laugh at some of the ridiculous responses and the uh, devil may care attitude that these young 
men have. But make no mistake, Fool's Game is 100% pure fucking hardcore in every way. And young bands who are listening or people who like to start a band, there's some good info and some good knowledge and some good ways how to do things and maybe not how to do things. But without further ado, let's have a nice little talk with our friends in Fool's Game. So in an effort to not only talk shit to both these kids, but to support the band that I probably have capped up more in the last six months than any other, I would like to welcome to This Is Hardcore Podcast, who wants to go first, Justin Clemo or Ben Stuckey? Send it to Stuckey. (laughs) Both Both of these guys are a big part of the world dominating punk rock band from Pennsylvania, Fool's Game, which you've now heard multiple songs. I may or may not have uh, had some funny uh, podcast art based on you guys. (laughs) And um, in an effort to not only just talk to old dudes or talk to myself, I figured why not have a fun little talk with two dudes who legitimately are what I always say every week is the epitome of the grinding and the DIY spirit that a lot of the other bands in the world don't know about. Not sure how to do it. Or say they do it, but they just pay other people to do it. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Lowe's. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I'm, like I, I'm ready to get into it. I'm excited. <laughs> so um, to my knowledge, was there a band before Ripped Away for you? For me, uh, no, Ripped Away was my first band. I just pestered uh big old johnny edge long enough that he was finally like all right i'll give you dude's twitter is fucking legendary (laughs) oh my god man love it there's not a show that i go to where i don't get a question about who firehead is love i mean he loves it i i can't i'm a big supporter if you're gonna love your girl love your girl all the way probably are i'm aware at one point i was like also a supporter and i was like yeah man just the guy loves his wife and i was like you know i'd like him if they popped up on my thing I dropped off. You're still like, good for you. Like, yeah. Yo, love is real, man. And I, I think that the Rodriguez's have a, have a special formula on Twitter that allows everybody to know, to not be shy about the one. They I love. mean, they truly are one of the happiest couples I know. So bless them. Yeah. And uh, for you, you former fish, not wearing freak now uh, skinhead, skinhead elite um we talked about this before but what do you think the first band would even know of that you were in uh the first band that i was like really in that anyone that had a demo out was spirit flaw all right so spirit flaw yeah like the only one made it out of like the garage phase so the reason why i asked this is that i have this theory and i was saying it actually to beto while you guys were setting up to play and I said it in front of Jake, who was there, that when I saw Hesitate, I was like, all right, there's a lot of really good shit with this, but it's not going to be the band. And I think the converging of all of you guys together in Fool's Game is really just a, just another, like, pat, like a rite of passage. Like, you guys have had your first band. You guys played some shows. You know, Clemo, obviously, you did a lot of driving around ripped away to come all the way from Strasburg down and play wherever you had to that as full game began to be a thing, 
you guys had at least some 101 how to be in a band. And I think that adds to why this band, even though you guys are still new faces to the scene in some regards and a new band, but I think you do have to kind of knock off some rough spots and start refining it with another band before you guys get to this stuff. So that's why I wanted to ask you what your first band was. Yeah, I get that. I think, I think in a way though, like fool's game was really different than any other band we'd been in before. Yeah. The kicking off fool's game, I think we did more in the first six months than ripped away did in their whole career. And don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for that, but there's definitely a lot of things that I learned from doing Ripped Away that I don't think I don't think Fool's Game would have done done as well if I didn't know a lot of things they did as far as like just keeping a band together and making sure everybody didn't kill each other right off the rip. No, I, in fact, that's what I was kind of getting at was that, you know, the first band you do, there's a lot of mistakes made. It's It's rough. It's rudimentary at best, even if you're good players, because there's a lot of social interactions and there's a lot of like just fun you know doing the band for the sake of fun and not having all the right ingredients to know how to take the band from something fun to something where you could do a weekend and go to boston and play connecticut and then come back to pennsylvania and somehow not kill each other you know right so i for people who do not know you don't know anything about fool's game even though we talk about you guys a lot on here who wants to tell us the how fool's game got together i mean let's be the OG. You're, the, you're the og member what are you talking about so uh all right so fool's game started uh with this kid bailey uh he plays in vomit fourth now and uh he was in a does bunch- he have long hair uh no is he no. working on long hair no, he's a, he's the heavier set kid that was in face rec for a little bit. So he he's doesn't have long hair. No. But he's in a death metal band. Yeah. Did he like death metal band when he was in the other when he did like death metal when he was in your band? No, not at all. Actually, he was, continue on. Yeah. I rest my case. He was uh he was definitely a metalcore kid. He was in a bunch he's of in, bands, but I ignored him. I was like, man, I really want to do yeah. other stuff. Um I really wanted to do a fast band and, you know, shackled was happening. So all those dudes were out and all my friends were just busy with bands. So me and him got together. We went to lens and we recorded the demo. And then we ended up getting uh, Nick from shackled and D Camello. We're going to play the barbecue. And then the world got shut down. So fool's game kind of went on pause. Dude, for you do dodge the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so came in from strangle you in Atlanta was hitting me up. He's like, man, you got to make fool's game happen. And I was like, I, I don't have anybody. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, who, who do I know that would do this band with me? Who just doesn't care. And I'm like, Stucky and Jacob Smith, perfect kids. Uh, so I called them, I put them in a group chat together and I was like, Hey, you guys want to do this band? I don't know how it's going to go. We have a show in Atlanta. It'll be our first show. And they were down. And then I reached out to our drummer, Tyler, and he wasn't doing anything at the time. So it all kind of just fell into place. And, it's been his and then what then. Dylan actually what? set us up with our first show at the Shackles record release. Yeah, we ended up playing that. We played two songs. Yeah, we did. We had a day to learn it. No practice. Which was fun. Like an, an hour practice the night before to learn the songs. Yeah, I wasn't even there for practice. So the question is you're starting this band. 
do you guys write on a on a board these are the ingredients for the songs we're looking for or was there an organic like hey we're all thinking we should sound or hey let's try this riff out kind of deal i think it's definitely at this point everybody in the band is just hey these are this is what i'm listening to right now i really like these bands let's base it off i guess like our three favorite bands a piece and kind of make something happen this way we're not directly taking from one of our favorite bands and there's kind of like everybody has an opinion on it and i feel like that actually does help a lot because it gives it you know it still has its own taste nothing well i mean well i didn't think it no you're talking about like the old stuff or the new stuff because you know it's hard the old stuff the first i mean that stuff i didn't have any part in so the original stuff was Bailey just wrote four songs and sent them to me and he's like, Hey, you like these? And I was like, yeah, cool. Let's go. record." I, I guess we did have a, a part in them hitting the, the live stage. Like we ended up deciding pretty early on, which like, which songs we did want to play and which songs we never wanted to play again. Like after we, yeah, after we, we got back song. from Atlanta, you were like, I never want to play nothing to show again. Like we played it that day in Wolf's yeah, Bear, and then it. we just, never played it again and pretty early on we decided that like the one end part of uh roll the dice we were just gonna cut because we felt like it didn't need to be there it's like an extra 15 seconds that does nothing for the song (laughs) so like a little stuff like that we ended up speeding up certain parts slowing down certain things that like now you like now people hear the demo song and they wonder why it doesn't sound like we do it live and that's because you know we had never we put our own spin on it like the band that the live band that is yeah those songs never got played live until we played that first shackled show so that demo was out for probably yeah, almost two years because of COVID. two years actually yeah and it was just sitting on it and i was like wow that would have been almost <laughs> cool i'm in the camp i'm in the camp of the band gets to do whatever the fuck it wants to do with a song, whenever it wants to do it. And we did that a little bit with punishment. When we did our reunion show last year, we definitely did it with um, chains cannot fall with shattered realm. And I feel as if so many bands are afraid to completely either cut a song out and just say, we're never fucking doing this again or clean up a part or make it more of a live thing. And I think it, it needs to be done more. Like there's no reason to play an old song just because it's old. Even if old people liked it or, or you know what we, you know, no fucking change it, make it cool. You're not married to having to play things that way. At least I mean, that's you're the performer at the end of the day. It's like, do what you want. If you like it more that way, then other people probably will too. You know what I mean? Like you got to trust your gut on some things. I feel like. Yeah, I'm definitely a big advocate for I'll love something. And then three months later, I'm like, man, this would have been a hundred times cooler. And, you know, and if a band thinks like if they got to play a part a little faster or slower live, then just do it. And if it works, it works. If not, whatever. But I'd rather try it and let it sink than not. I mean, it's even been as recent as the recent record, like on not like me, the way we played the one transition on record, we decided by the time of the first show after recording, we the, the one transition sounded better a different way so we do it a different way live like we did it, it literally was that quick like 
I think it also gives a band a live effect though. Cause I like things like that. Like there's some bands where you go see and they are just, they're just better live bands. And like, whether it's because of things like that, it's just some bands just, I think are just better live. No, I think I, I think the problem comes from the people who are digital fans. Hey, you didn't play it like this. Fuck you. Come see like, play live. You didn't play your um, samples live. Fuck. Yeah, I, I know there's some wizardry that makes it a lot easier than ever before. But fuck you. I have no actual idea how it is done. But I think when there is a little bit of effect. But let's be real. Like fool's game, except for your headlining release show, which was fantastic. Thank you me. motherfuckers ain't ready to drop some fucking samples to so stop that shit. Just get up well, on stage. It's and also do like, thing, what you know? the fuck are we gonna put over it? You know, what I mean, like literally, like the two that we have on the record are kind of funny. We have nothing else. Like the some bands do it, and it makes sense. Like Samuel Locker, they're doing like, all right, these dark, weird, scary samples. I I get it. What would we put? <laughs> I, yeah, but they're doing it, but they're playing second on a bill. It's like, yo, fuck the two-minute sample. Play your song. I mean, you know how I stage. feel about that. Like, uh, well, well, I don't. That's I, why I'm pretty much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like any band also, it's like Dom is such like a charismatic front man. Is I he? think he's got a lot of charisma. He's got so much energy and like fear surrounding him. Like mad Dom, people call him that. I But... That's because you guys also, are all pussies. No one gets to hear like him actually talk then because they end up doing samples. Like I feel like. So then does Mike, does that mean Mike Barletti has the greatest charisma of all bands then? I mean, does he also doesn't I mean, that's talk? an awesome statement. <laughs> <laughs> I have a different, I have a different de- definition of charisma and I wouldn't put Dom anywhere near charismatic. I think he has a, I think he has a stage performance that people really go off on. But when I think of charisma, I think of someone like a Vogel, like a Freddie Madball, somebody who can even a, um, a younger Justice um, who can just ignite George Hurst. I can think of like who could just get on stage and grab that mic and the energy's there because they have the I mic. Think- it's like a super it's like the Superman moves. Like they get on stage like, oh, shit, this motherfucker's yeah. ready to do it. Aaron Deathbred's yeah. another one. That's my idea. Charisma. Maybe Dom will get it. Maybe he won't. But I haven't seen it. It's it's kind of crazy to me how Scott Vogel's I and obviously at this point he's always going to have the infinite stage presence of making an entire room move. Well, he have to love hardcore that much, and he does. You saw him just New Year's Day. He was at the when you when you think of the stuff that you first did, would you imagine yourself to be where you guys are at right now? Definitely not. Well, when I when I texted Stucky and Jacob, I was like, yo, we'll just, you know, do this band. You know, I know you guys are already doing other things. And I was like, I just want to play in a band like another band with my friends. And we're like, yeah, you know, let's just go to Atlanta and play a couple of shows in Philly. Yeah. And that's it. And then I think I think we all clicked so well on that weekend in Atlanta that we were like, nah, like, let's let's, you know, do another tape and then write some songs. And it kind of once we got offered a couple of shows, I feel like we all jumped on the same page. It's like, all right, this might actually be something cool. Well, I think our, our initial launch of Fool's Game before was a band was our like one trip to Connecticut where you, me and Jacob went, just the three of us and had like the best time. 
and that was that's like a show of like yeah. oh we can go to like random places and not want to kill each other like we just went because jacob was playing and hesitate and we wanted to go to their show up there and but like we kind of learned we can travel together we can hang out together we're all like each other's best friends but i i agree i did i mean like spirit flaw took so long to we had the demo written for so long before we recorded it just because you dodge a bullet with that yeah. one too i mean we were just waiting on uh getting a singer for a long time like which i was like so annoyed by but like it is what it is sometimes i guess and you know then we ended up getting a singer and putting the demo out really quick but you know i'm glad that i've always wanted to be in a band that sounds like fool's game and so i'm glad that this is the one that's like become our main focus when you say focus are you guys now finally after just going where the calls come in? Like, hey, you want to play here? Hey, are you guys starting to actually create a strategy or a system so you guys are not overplaying some areas and then not, not hitting areas you haven't gone? Or are you guys still just flying off the seat of your pants? And well, just we're playing Jersey twice this uh, weekend. So what do you what do you think? <laughs> we're, we're playing, playing where this Jersey weekend? Twice in one weekend. So. Well, it depends because those people are freaks. I remember you could have it, Jersey had some of the best hardcore shows in the nineties. And then by the early two thousands, it started slipping, but there were so many different kind of people and there's so many different halls. Jersey is such a crazy place. Where are you playing the first show? Uh, the, the meat locker. And that's that bomb at fourth metal show. Yeah. You guys are fucking scabs for even doing that. <laughs> and then where's the second show? Twenty minutes away from the meat locker, uh, the reaching out record release. Yeah, see, you're playing a wax show at the meat locker, and then you're playing a hardcore show. So you're doing good. And in my defense for that is, it's going to be so many. You won't see the same people at either one of those shows. There's no shot. I don't care. I just think playing. Um, I'm going to be nice and say nothing. I'll be nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll follow one of my one of my New Year's resolutions and try to be nicer. <laughs> I think that there's no point of Fool's Game on that show. I mean, you're not yeah. wrong, but it's just, I think we just like playing with people that we like. Like, the Von Fort dudes have always been mad cool to us. And I know, Clemo, you, like, actually know them. I've only, like, met the one dude, like, twice, I feel like. Right. And it's kind of, like, funny playing shows with Bailey, like, in other bands. Because, like, you know, obviously he was originally in Fool's Game, but we never got to play a show together. So I feel like it's always kind of comical for him to just be able to, like, Man, this is sick. I'm glad like something actually happened. Do you play any of the songs he writes that he ever wrote or no? Uh, we play, I think we still yeah. play three of them. We, you guys got to get past them. I mean, we play. It's, it's hard. You don't That's... know how them death metal people roll. <laughs> this, this, this whole podcast could be uh, a chance for a copyright infringement by him <laughs> down the line. What do you think? Should I start growing my hair out and go death metal? No, so. I'm really enjoying this Remy phase that you have going. So I want to see how long it can last. You've never seen that movie. See if no, you know which movie you're talking about. And if you don't know, you don't know. We'll just continue <laughs> on. So because your last answer to before we got silly again, is that you guys aren't planning. What's stopping you from formulating a more, reasonable plans here not playing two shows in the same state within an hour and a half of each other back to back 
well now um our biggest thing right now is just planning weekend runs because I mean, for me, and like, honestly, and I feel like a lot of bands could should take note of it is I, I feel like you don't lose nothing. Like you go out for the weekend. Nobody has to worry about losing their job. I mean, as long as, you know, you work a regular Monday to Friday, you know, you leave work a little early that Friday and go hit the road for three days. You get to play some places you haven't played and come home. Okay. And I- here's a, here's a pop quiz. What's the longest drive that you should make? To get to your first show on the weekend. I mean, you're asking the wrong fucking people here, man. <laughs> we've done, we've done. Jesus Christ! I think the longest we did was, was eleven longer. hours. It, it was, it was the first night. Way longer. Yeah. It took like. And we where where'd from, you go to? We met up at D- Jacob's house in Delaware, and we drove right down to Birmingham, Alabama, for the first show. Yeah, so that's about a fourteen-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah, that's the smartest thing you do because now you have two more shows after mm-hmm. that to get back. That's yeah. actually strategically the smart move. Yeah, I think dysphoria would regularly we would leave, and I say we because I was in the van. I didn't fucking do too much <laughs> else. But regularly, the longest show was the first night of the weekend, and then you would play consecutively back closer to home. So yeah. actually, you guys thought that wasn't smart. I actually think. That's the way you really should do it. Get the big run out of the way. And then if you play Birmingham, where'd you play the next day? South Carolina. Yeah. And then you guys played like a Baltimore or, or something on the way home. We played, uh, I think it was Richmond. Yeah, in Virginia. Better. We That's played it. a matinee in Richmond, followed by a night show at Virginia Beach. Doubled up. See how that shit goes? Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This is the shit. This is the old school punishment <laughs> shit. I'm not even kidding. We used to play two shows at a fucking night. Not really? kidding. We play this. We play this shitty place called Hot Shots, the Billiards Hall over in South Jersey, because they had two two p.m. matinees, and sometimes there'd be shows at nighttime. We would drive and play that one yeah. too. Why the and fuck if they'll have you, like, what the fuck else? Would we... It was actually that was pretty fun because the Richmond show, for whatever reason, was not crazy. It was not a huge turnout. Um, but so we ended up driving like immediately afterwards to make the show in virginia beach and one of the bands from earlier had hopped on a, a couple of kids from earlier just came out to virginia beach to watch us again which i thought was cool the vibes were just really the show was actually good yeah it's crazy also to go out and play places like that because a unsuspecting person would walk in and go ah oh, well they're going to be pretty similar shows but there is a big difference between vb and, and richmond ultimately there always has been. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a different crowd for the most part, except for the handful of kids that found their way. Not for sure. And, like, just, even like, the vibes were, yeah. do you remember at some point in that night, our buddy Crust had, like, a giant, like, fucking six-foot bag of popcorn that he was slowly depleting course of tour. <laughs> and then at one point, we hear a band starting, and so we go in to watch, and this is for D-Block, I'm pretty sure. Someone had found his giant popcorn bag and just ripped it open and had shaken it all over the floor. So it was everywhere. He just came in and looked so fucking defeated. <laughs> he was so that was Yeah, literally, that was his food. He was like, dude, fuck. We don't even know who did it. Someone just randomly found it and took it. Yo, the dude from D-Block is legitimately a fucking... He looks like he could punch through a fucking a block yeah. wall. He's, he's a big boy. 
we played with them uh, and when we did that Raw Life Shadow Realm weekend thing. And I was actually like, damn, Shadow Realm is actually playing with dudes that look like they listen to Shadow Realm. Like, <laughs> this is fucking great. Love this shit, you know? They, uh, the now, band covered Cold as Life at that show. And I've never seen a band hit the floor so fast in a minute. They were on the dance floor. You're legally required to if you live yeah. in Michigan. Right. Now, what was the song that they cover? Do you remember? Was it Little? I think it was Little from the World. Yeah, I think it was. The dope thing about Cold as Life is in the moment, what what Cold as Life was. I I, I like that the kids are giving them love, but I feel as if the imagination of a kid today doesn't really have the understanding to really put together what a Cold as Life show really was. So it's kind of cool to see everybody give them love. But I would love to see the pictures they paint thinking about what a Coda's life set really was like back then. Uh, going forward with more plans for you guys, when you when we start talking about weekends for you, seems like you guys linked up pretty early with Risk and kind of became like bosom buddies. Yeah, that was uh, – we played a show with them in Baltimore, and me and BG were kind of talking on the internet a little bit prior, and then the second we met, I was like, oh, this is this is it. Like we just we clicked pretty quick and everybody in both bands got along. And that was it. After that first Baltimore show, we were like, we have to tour together. We have to play we shows together. We started planning now it, that put together like at lunch after the show because we played a matinee and then we went out to dinner and we literally started like planning the tour that would end up being us strangle you and D block with risk. And I think we kind of knew that that split was inevitably going to happen. Yeah, I think the the formation of the risk world with you guys is fucking great. Like the com- the combo, so to speak, not formation, the combination really is fucking sick. And again, it's more young bands that don't really have the kind of publicity that some other bands are getting now, and they don't have the managers, they don't get a booking agent, but you know what? You guys are ubiquitous all over the Northeast. You guys are going down the fucking Atlanta 17 times to suck Cayman's dick. So, and I know, I know risk has been in a bunch of places, so it's good to see you guys hustling together. And I think the split is going to still bring people closer to you guys by having two different bands who are really swinging for the fences here. I think risk right now, as we're talking to them, aren't they on, uh, aren't they in Europe with, uh, with Dead for Honor? Yeah. DVD and Slapshot. I think that's a, they're gone for two and a half weeks or two weeks. That's so fucking cool. That's yeah. the kind of, that's the only thing Philadelphia never really had was we never really had the constant European tour bands like a slap shot. Obviously Deadford is honored. They really got lucky in a sense where a band, a band had some hijinks early on in Deadford is honors career. And Agnostic Front was left looking for a fill-in band for that tour spot, but they had to be a four-piece, and DBD just happened to be a four-piece. <laughs> oh, wow. So when the Bridge Nine record first dropped, it was a serendipitous that DBD gets to go out and tour with Agnostic Front in Europe, and it just really it allowed them to be able to be a force in Europe and give them the opportunity to take someone like Risk with them. Philadelphia area, I mean, the Wisdom guys, 
the crutch guys, the mushmouth guys, they all followed the same plan. They would buy their own tickets and fly over because they had really good connections in a bunch of European places from the from the bands back then. But we never we unfortunately we don't have the kind of pull to pull you guys into Europe. So you guys are gonna have to fucking stow away like a <laughs> old school style and a, a shit and hope a, you make it we have like this euro contact and he this dude florian and he like really wants he books a lot of bands that go over there and he like really wants us to well, like do it and i think the main thing just stopping this right now is that none of us have fucking passports and I, was, I was talking to mike he's like you guys are too old for this now you got every man that needs to have a passport just like so we we get asked to play Canada I think three times already, and that's why you ain't getting into Canada. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna look at your face and say, "No, get no that face out of here." You. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been kicked out of Canada three separate times, and um, it's an experience. I think you should. I think you should go to the border and get turned away. <laughs> <laughs> they give you a piece of paper that says "allowed to leave Canada." And you basically drive around and get to the U.S. and you hand them a sheet and they laugh and go, all right, man. <laughs> let you back in. It, it's very ceremonial and completely fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, we should definitely do that for the experience. It, it's, it, it's, I would say that playing Europe is cool when you are at the stage where you're trying to grow yourself. For me, I'd like to see you guys continue on the path of just building up strong weekends. I think that that is uh, not only a less traveled road, but it's the surest way for a small band, especially when everyone's working. So you don't have to take the 30 days off a tour. I think almost at times you get more out of your travel. You know, yeah, you're, you may not be able to get to Minnesota. You may not be able to get to play like something like Colorado because it's really too far. But they're especially because of where you guys are based. I think, you know, we would regularly leave either Thursday night or we would leave way early Friday. And if we couldn't get to Pittsburgh, we would play in Erie. And then the next day we were in Chicago. And then the next day we were in Ohio. And then we're driving home. Like, you know, we, we made these long runs. And then, I mean, obviously everything in the Northeast, Maine wise, is easy. It, it's, it's all so accessible for us in this area that I don't think unless fool's game eventually works their way into some agency and gets offered to do a support tour. I think you guys are doing it the smartest way by just being smart and networking yourselves, which is another key thing I'd like you guys to talk about because you know, that's how you're going to get the most out of your time off from work right now. But how do you guys go about networking? Is there like, is it, is it really just Clemo or is it Clemo Stucky Jake? Like, when one of you guys bring up an idea, does the other guy go, I ain't fucking playing that place again? Or are you guys just kind of like really easy? I, I definitely want to say Stucky is my first go-to like with anything or like he'll shoot me something and I, I'm pretty much always down for anything. And I feel like as long as it goes through Stucky, which is like, I feel like a bulletproof like vest at this point <laughs> for me, it's like, it's like, all right, we got to get the Stucky approval. And then it goes to the group chat. And then everybody's like, yeah, I'm down. The, the band is honestly, surprisingly, at least in my experience, the easiest people I've ever dealt with. Like even outside of a, a band, like I wish I worked with these guys because I'd be building skyscrapers. It'd be awesome. It's funny you said that. I feel the opposite. I feel like you take the reins on a lot of stuff. A, lot, a big part of it is that you're probably the most active with the band account. 
where I can never remember the fucking password to get in. <laughs> um, and oh. but like you always are, are like the one, especially for like runs. Like apart from like the risk run, which we set up in person, like the two coming up that we have, or like whatever the one coming up that we have, I feel like you will bring. Yeah, the airport run I booked everything for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Instagram is the most powerful tool in the world right now. When you say that, you do have to realize that I feel sometimes that unless I'm old and just a cynic, there's far too many people who are almost like luring bands into terrible situations. Like, oh, you got to come play here. Have you had any of them experiences yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man. That so I don't know with Fool's Game, maybe not, but I know with Ripped Away, which is this is definitely a big thing that I learned from my first band. Is and I tell new bands, I think it was one of the first things I said to the Kill Me Kids. I was like, anybody, anybody can get a show booked at any state at any time. There's always one person who's like, Yeah, I'll book you a show. Two people are gonna come, and it, that doesn't always mean that it's worth it just because some guy hits up your band page and says, Hey, come play California. You never seen him. You have no mutual friends. Don't like, you know, activity on his page. You could still go play the show, but that doesn't mean it, it's going to be worth it. And I, I like, I know that kind of sounds like an asshole way of saying it, but sometimes it's just not worth it. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's our time. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we're, we're doing this because we love it and we want to have fun with it. If it's not a fun show, then it's less worth it. Right. Well, so like, um, back, back in my day, it's a boomer that I have. <laughs> there was this thing called book your own fucking life. That was first a magazine you could buy every year. And then it became like a website. So punishment, having not a huge audience, we would then push ourselves onto these promoters and ask them like, Hey, can we play your town? We're coming through. And a lot of it was DIY punk spots. The worst show we ever played was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we showed up. And to their credit, they offered us to come to their house and they fed us and they were very kind. But then we get to the DIY venue, which it makes me so mad. So many cool towns that have these awesome, or then in the early 2000s, had these awesome DIY venues and strip malls. And Philly just didn't ever have any access to stuff like that. And we're setting up and we're like, oh, how do you think the show is going to go? He's like, to be honest, man, we didn't fly or anything like that. We don't have any openers, but uh, me and the sound guy are really looking forward to seeing you guys play. <laughs> and then we got together and we took our gear and we just drove to the next show. Like, all right, this is a complete L. The guy's like, what's, what's up, man? We're like, bro, we're not just going to play for you two dudes and just go home. Like, like might as well just get on the fucking road. Yeah, and I was going to say, you just wasted day. gas and time and food and fucking whatever else. But, you know, just keep it pushing, I guess. When you guys are thinking towards Fool's Game, are you guys still stuck in the in the newness factor, the excitement of the things, or there are people, Chris Beer, uh, there's, there's just from Dysphoria, there's always the guy in a band who has a bigger plan. It seems to me like you guys do not have a bigger plan besides play what comes in front of you, do what feels right, and make sure that you guys aren't completely fucking yourself up. I, I think we we recently talked about it. Our end goal is like 
Now, I shouldn't say our end goal, but we've all agreed that we 100% want this fan to make it overseas when it's the right time because I don't want to lose my friends over it or the band to be in such a bad spot that we do end up having to break up over it. So at this point, we're just we just recorded new music, and I think we just want to keep pumping out music and keep playing shows. I would love to hit the West Coast this year and play new places. It's just a matter of can we do it without all of us going broke? Because unfortunately, we're not all – 18 years old living at home which if we were everything would be a lot easier yeah so like i don't know we've talked about like as far as like what we want out of the band and stuff is like you know we kind of always i feel like me and Clemo would just talk about it and like drives home and be like it's just cool to have a band that people we look up to like you know like just like a band like you know, like when Richie hit us up to do the split or whatever, and was like, or you told us that, like, yeah, hit Richie up to do the split. Like, that was something that for me and I think Clemo that we were like, these fucking dudes that we think are the shit want to even do, like, are even considering us for this. Like, that's like kind of the end game already. So it's like anything else at this point is just gravy. I, when I think of some of the older people in hardcore, it comes down to guys who are tryhards who are dying to tell you that they do, oh, yo, hear this new band, and sometimes they're ass. Or other people are like, man, I, I ain't listening to any of this new shit. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. like, now, granted, some of this shit is straight ass, but I, I, I wonder if from your perspective, if you guys could give any advice to the boomers and the old guys and the, everyone just still kicking around from back in the day on if on anything we're fucking up. Is there anything we're fucking up? I, I think, I don't know. I think we're in a good place. I think uh, something that a lot of people don't understand, especially older people that are bitter about all the new stuff is it's never going to be what it used to be. It's, it's not going to happen. So fucking yeah, right. Fucking gotta, right, brother. So it's like, you either got to get over that and lose the God complex of, you know, your early days and either get with the new stuff or just, I guess, be fucking miserable. Cause it seems like most of those people are just so miserable and not excited about hardcore. And it's like, well, what the fuck are you even coming around for? Like, I don't understand. I get, I, oh, I, if it, I was going to answer, if anything, I think they come around because they invested time into something and I've seen three types, people like me who just never stopped, people who had families and came back, and then people who just found hardcore later. So it depends on which of those three groups and why they're still there. But all right, Stucky, continue. I, I was trying to think of one just because I try and never let a opportunity to comment go without. I feel like kind of along the lines of what Clemo said, like, people almost feel like they have to have a problem with stuff in their life. There's no, I feel like I. You're if someone's like, I feel like there's no good bands right now. I'm like, there's probably, it, it might take some searching and like digging through Bandcamp, but there's probably something like a disgruntled veteran would probably like 
All right, I'll put this one to you. What do you think the worst thing is that people who are older do or say in hardcore these days? Oh, boy. The worst thing they do or say. Uh, I, I think a lot of them, like a lot of like, this is just like seeing some older guys in bands try and rewrite their legacy a little bit. Like that a lot of like one thing I'll see like some, I won't say exactly which band, but like some older bands will be like, yeah, no, we never called it hardcore back then. We called it like a punk band. I'm like, that is, there's no way that's true. They, you say like hardcore on the record, like, I don't know. They, I don't know why they do it either. It's just like a weird rewrite thing. I see a lot. I hate that they, a lot of them too, like a lot of young kids could be stoked about their band, like older guys playing in bands and like appreciate it. And they're just like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. Like, you know, it, it's not what it was. And it's like, well, what would you rather play to nobody than like, I get playing to a bunch of 120 pound, you know, kids sucks, but it's like, you know, not kids just aren't built like they used to. I, I don't know what to tell you, to be honest. Uh, I can actually say that I was just watching an old video for me from 1997 when I was 16 years old and uh, <laughs> baby Jess <laughs> said to me specifically, I don't want to hear you tell anybody to get their fucking weight up because look how small and skinny you were at 16 years old in the pit. So only thing I can tell you is, is that, yeah, we do grow up. The kids who I say, get your weight up, you will get your weight up unless you're stucky. <laughs> <laughs> Stucky ain't never gonna get weight, dude. It's gonna happen pan. all at once. I'm fucking telling you. One day my metabolism is just gonna give out, and I'm gonna put on 20 pounds in two weeks because I eat so bad. That stuff um, would be awesome. Stop being a vegan. You'll you'll immediately become a man. <laughs> I know my pseudoestrogen dude, level will plummet, and I'll start getting some hair on my chin. That's all. Me and Jacob have a bet that Stucky's not gonna last being vegan for the next two years sometime in the next two years it's done i i would make me a happy person they, see stucky be enter full manhood <laughs> i know <laughs> this is the one holdout from my past that i've not turned my back <laughs> <laughs> yeah why don't you turn your back on that we've won <laughs> the short taking you over stockings. um a, a big part of my love of fool's game has nothing to do with the fact that we can just bust balls and make jokes it, it's the fact that i see in you things that i've done I see in you the bands that we were a part of, not just the band that we played in, but the friends. You guys are making these connections from across the country. You guys are making connections with the Boston people. And you're doing this without the concept of like, all we have to do is get to this point and then someone's going to sign us and then we're going to get fucking big. Like there's, it's more or less like, no, we're fucking stupid. We're going to drive a thousand miles. Because we're fucking dumb because we're not even getting a hundred I mean, bucks for this show. That was legit when we played Atlanta. We flew down, played two nights, got eighty dollars, flew back. Flew on what? Like what you guys fly on? Frontier Airlines. <laughs> Jacob Smith. No gear. No, no gear. Jacob Smith had to buy three suites. He is never booking anything ever again. How does he fit on a plane? Anywhere. Joe, it was that hilarious. Flight down was- and back. It was like, it was so early that me and Clemo had the genius idea. Like, we're just going to stay up all night Wednesday and for our Thursday morning flight. So we went to like a Wednesday night rave and or like gay, like club thing in Philly. Just, and then he got so wasted. 
that like he's i'm like having to wake him up for our uber to the airport like we he gets we're getting on the plane and i can fucking smell the whiskey <laughs> like <laughs> i didn't think they were gonna let him on i thought i'm like there I, I was just so fucked from the get-go was not my best moment it wasn't, it wasn't the worst <laughs> but the, the other thing I think that's important for Fool's game, to maybe you don't see it, or maybe you guys aren't cognizant of it, you're not focusing on it, but you have the whole goofball death metal thing happening. You have the whole TikTok crowd coming in. You have all these people who are falling in love with the worst elements of 2010 metal music and pop music and trying to disguise it as some cool hardcore shit. And you guys are playing, you know, bare bones, pure fucking hardcore. And you're playing with intensity in front of young crowds. And instead of them sitting there and being like, oh, it's not metal enough. Like, I watch you guys play. Like, people, young people gravitate to your sound. And older friends of mine, people older than me, there are people older than me, who fuck with you guys because of the fact that you guys are staying really true to hardcore in a lot of ways and still have a vibe that is modern enough that you don't sound like you're trying to be like a victim of pain <laughs> agnostic front ripoff as well. And, and it's just something so cool to see in a hardcore scene where so much is goofy and so much is just put up for Twitter and clout and all these other goofball things. And, and it just, it gives me a breath of fresh air seeing you guys going and doing these things and doing them on your own. And I, and I wanted people to hear you and, you know, see your band. And that's why I want to have you guys on there because I think there is a disconnect sometimes from the older people who are like, I don't even know this fucking band, but then when they hear you talk and you're laughing and you're having fun and you guys are, there's going to be people who were in these bands you may never heard these bands, but I remember these fucking dumb, dumb trips and the silly shit that happens. And it's important that you guys know that you guys are now a flag bearer for all of us here. And I appreciate it. And I'm, and I'm happy that people are actually aware that we're booking all of our own stuff and we just want to play shows with our friends. And like, that's the biggest thing is, you know, especially, and that's why we all put on for risk so hard is just the same mindset. BJ or randomly BG will call me in the middle of the day. And he's like, Hey, you want to play a couple shows here or go here? And like, we're talking about runs. He's like, I don't care. Like, I don't think me and him have even had a conversation about when we're booking a show, like for a tour about money at all. Like other than just as long as we get gas money, we don't care. We just want to play shows yeah. with our friends. That's it. And it also makes me happy just to hear that. Like people do care about the sound like that. Just cause like, you know, it's always that talk, like, when you're a band, like, we, we've we all listened to heavier music. It's not like we haven't written heavier riffs and been like, what do you think? But, like, I think, like, to a point, like, keeping true to, like, being, like, a straightforward hardcore band is, like, something that's, like, important to us. And, like, we have turned down good riffs before because we're like, nah, that's not Fool's Game. <laughs> like, that's not the band that we are. So I'm glad that that's not going unnoticed either. No, I think it's actually, it's hard at times to step to the side of what the most popular and easiest path to success is. And I see you guys doing that. 
and it's and it's fantastic and it, it takes nothing away from different bands who are playing more metallic or heavier but i've always felt regardless of the fact that i played in shadow realm i've always felt that hardcore in the last 20 years has has deviated so far and so far and so and like every step every year there's a step further away from anything that remotely would be tied into like original hardcore not that you want to keep regurgitating the same thing over 40 years but the question is how long do you get so far away from the original shit that we can't even call it a hardcore thing anymore so i I like the idea that you guys don't exactly have a hard rule but you guys are keeping the songs more true to real hardcore it it was tough too like when we were writing the new stuff like not only did we have to it was really hard because like me and jacob had never written the original song so like we had to keep true to the demo but also do something new that was us that was like who we were but also like we couldn't go too far from like the original sound that was set forward for us so we kind of had to walk a tightrope to like figure out what the band was going to be now like with this new record Nothing from Clemo. That's okay. I think uh, every everybody in the band listening to the same bands definitely makes it a lot easier. I feel like, and and it's cool because like there's no like Ben said like there's things that we write like you know the one time every three months that we actually practice <laughs> when we're trying to write stuff. You know, like oh that's that's not really our thing. And like sometimes I feel like when we're saying that it's it's almost like not even like for our band. It's like well we we still want to sound like the bands we listen to and it's like the biggest thing is like it's funny because i'll you know i'll throw in like uh no i like i really like this part of death threat song and jacob's you know throwing in uh killing time song and ben's you know throwing in fucking something for you know heavier like a neglect riff or something like that and it's cool because like in the mix of all these bands which are like our favorite bands you know we come up with these songs we're like all right cool this is fool's game it's not too out of pocket to be hardcore but it's also still what we want to do so it's like we're just gonna fucking do it and i'm happy that people like still know that it's hardcore and just see it for what it is i think it's cool because it's like it's legit like almost like a snap whatever we put out is almost like a snapshot of just what we're listening to at that point in time now it seems like like the the ep the one like fading away is a riff i based off of overcome by terror because that's like one of my favorite songs and i like pretty much pulled the bass for if we just changed the drum beat around the riff like jacob was listening to no warning a ton so that like trials of life is like super like based off of that and like we kind of just like you can pick that up if you like listen closely and then like this new record i feel like people will be able to understand almost immediately like okay, when these guys wrote this, they were listening to, like, a ton of Cleveland bands. And so I think it's cool that we can keep playing around with what, like, straightforward hardcore is to us just based around whatever, like, we are listening to at the moment, what we want to play. Since you guys don't have a lot of plans, and I wanted to keep this succinct so we don't get into the point of just being goofy goobers here, I wanted to get you guys to at least 
have three short-term goals for the 2023 Fools game and then three potential, you know, like wish list goals as well. I'll let you start Clemo so Stucky can think or look at his phone. <laughs> three three goal. I definitely I I would like to play. I w- I would like short term goal, which I think is pretty realistic, is to get out to the West Coast for at least a weekend. Um, I want to put out new music, which is already happening, so that goal is checked off. And I I, I just big term goal is definitely that that I would love to happen, but I don't know how realistic it is. Is to get the band overseas. That's that's my number one. I want it to happen one way or another. It's going to happen. But that is definitely the uh, most unrealistic goal. But I think it's it's definitely not impossible. My uh, short terms, I'd probably say this one's close to becoming a reality. But still, just I've always wanted to be like on vinyl, just because I'm a huge record person. So like that's for my own selfish reasons. So I think the split with risk will be on vinyl. So I can't wait for that. Uh, I, we haven't played Chicago yet. I really want to play. Chicago and I want to play Pittsburgh. We haven't gotten out there either. And we have great friends in both places. So I feel like that's bound to happen. Uh long term. This this Clemo, I think Europe is definitely hard. And but like I'm gonna throw some now that's probably less possibly even less likely or even harder, which would be I would love to do a full US at some point. And I know that can be the breaker for a band but like i that's just like i've always wanted to do like a full u.s i say that now and i'm the first person to get homesick but well i think the way goals work is that you have to incrementally build yourself up to reach them i do know that with the internet it's a lot easier to get out to all these goals and I don't think for what you guys have already accomplished that any of the goals you guys set is impossible to reach. For me, I I watch you guys not grow up, but I'm watching you guys mature musician-wise, guys in the scene-wise, and just representing us. You guys are really starting to pick up momentum at a time when so much is just, to me personally, like the publicity is focused on the goofball shit. So I already look at everything that Fool's Game done as a win for still being able to be a completely DIY band, be able to, on your own time and efforts, travel far, be known, you know, like it's it's a cool thing to see. It really is a cool thing. And and there's no, there was no handholding. There was no, hey, we got to ask Joe, we got to ask Bob. You guys did so much of this completely on your own fucking will, merit, for better or worse, that it just it gives me a great pride just for the simple fact that not any of you guys ever called me like, hey, how do we do this? You guys just fucking did it. It's fucking fantastic. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And it's cool. And, and I'm happy that, you know, we have each other and like we can bounce ideas off each other and we're able to do it without because then nobody can ever say like, oh, yeah, they got the fucking handout from Philadelphia. Like I put on all these shows and that's why people give a shit. Cause I know that, you know, those comments were made and it, it's just like, what you know, at the end of the day is, you know, you can look at the band for what it is. Like, you know, we just, we played shows or fucking, 
what was it the second or third show we just flew to atlanta for nothing just to play for our friends to play the record release and hang out like that's it like it's just about hardcore and that's really it we just want to play with each fucking playing bands together and whatever happens and you know happens. we love a lot of it to our friends like dylan setting us up with the shackles record release as the first show the day after that like yeah, that was carter hit us up asking if we wanted to be on the comp and we wrote and recorded a song in three days that ended up being our song on the one scene unity track and then we were playing that live because you hit us up there i i forget who someone dropped that integrity show at the polish club and he asked us if we could play and i was like fool's game we'll make it work like and it's it's cool seeing things come full circle because when i initially like hit dylan up i was like hey man like I finally got a lineup for Fool's Game. Could we run a couple songs at your record release? He's like, you know what? Like, you booked Shackled's second show. Well, and it was their first show outside of New Jersey in Scranton. So he's like, yeah, fuck it. Like, you could do it. And it was cool to see, I like, that come full circle so many years later. Or, uh, Even if you're freaking years, so. out the entire time because he thought our five-minute set was going to put everything way over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. He was Jacob about playing a with the smallest guitar of all time because he don't said he didn't have time to change it. <laughs> here's here's a here's a thoughtful thing that I I completely missed out on. Um, to my knowledge, aside, obviously you guys had the demo. You guys had a tape out with Street Fight Records. Is that right? Uh, it was going to come out on them, and we ended up leaving the label, and then Dylan started his label. All right, so then you guys were going to do it there, and then it ended up on Dylan's label. You got the you have the split eventually going to come out on Never Run, Never Will in Pennsylvania. Do you see yourselves trying to get to the LP stage, or are you guys still going to be playing around, and are people going to already have to learn more new songs in four months when you guys drop an LP? Like, what's the next move uh, with the band musically? I, I think we, we are, and I don't – yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad, but as soon as, you know, we we figured out the split, I was like, well, I guess next is an LP. And I I want to, it's hard because hardcore is so up and down and up and down and people lose interest so fast. So I'm like, I don't want to put too much music out at once, but also if we are at, at a point where we have the time to do it now. So I'd rather do it while we can before we're too old to do anything. So it's like if we're able to put out an LP. Wait, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> How old are you? 25. So what are you going to die soon? Yeah, well, young Ty is going to outlive all of us. He's, he's a child. Wait, 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 wait. Break this the fuck down for me. We have our, our second guitar player, uh, young Ty. He's, he's, yeah. I know who he is. I'm, I want to know what clemo is so fearful of <laughs> i i mean you just you just never know how things are gonna go so i'm like well, do, you, do you have some final destination shit going on <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is going yeah. on here are you are you getting some premonitions <laughs> like what the fuck man well i don't know with everything going on in the world i don't know stucky might get abducted <laughs> he's the abductor <laughs> yeah yeah me. i am Jacob the one who knocked has anyone seen any pictures of Stucky's parents ever? How do I, we even know he's a human? I have dinner yeah, with them. Had to like, really uh, have pretty often. All right. Who's weirder, Stucky's dad or Stucky's mom? Dude. Oh, man. Somehow. Is that even oh, my question? God. My this, dad. 
Yeah, all right. His dad's a fucking freak, man. Good guy. Yeah, no oh, way. Shit. No way. It all made, what I can say 9/11 is like, truth videos at a very young age. Just if. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Him and Sonny. Yo, we got to get Sonny to get your dad that Which book. Which one? <laughs> he probably owns several copies. Sonny uh, printed a book from the engineers uh, conflicting with the official 9-11 narrative. I have two of the books. They're fucking fantastic. I have two copies of the same book. I now have a Christmas books. gift for him. He will actually be hype on it if he doesn't argue. Yeah, he's going to fucking shit himself. Clemo, back to you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, you want to put out a record before what? I, I just want to do it before people lose interest in the band. All right, stop. You just spent an hour talking about all the positive reasons why everyone's got interest <laughs> in the band. So what we are, do you have a cancellation that we're not aware of, like an incoming <laughs> cancellation? <laughs> no, that's that? Definitely more stucky before <laughs> me, but no, I mean, like, all right. So the best I can put it is, we don't have like any crazy tours booked right now, long term. So I'm like, all right, if we take the summer and write some songs, and maybe come September, December, we have the time to record a full length, and then. Wait, 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 wait. What is the next thing that's coming out? The split. When we, does it come out? Uh, we finished recording last weekend. So we have Masters the end of the month. So it's actually on Richie whenever. Listen, you ain't put no fucking LP out for a while. <laughs> You're going to get your shit together. We're going to get in the union. <laughs> and, and I don't want to hear this until we get to the point where we can't. You're 25 years old. And Stucky's 16. <laughs> yeah, only in my mindset. Nah, but um, I think the next step for more than music is like, I think we all, for the most part, are trying to move down towards the city, or at least most of us are trying to move. Like Jacob's talking about it. I've been talking to young Ty about getting the spot. Like, I think we all just want to be closer to everything. I mean, that's doable and that's smart. Um, yeah, you guys are not ready for an LP, and you don't want to with a split coming out with the shit you guys have going on. I think the hustle and the pushing yourselves. Um, I said it on an episode, a couple episodes now. Cold as life had a map in their like clubhouse, and they're like, "There's the only way we do it. it was like a war room. It was so <laughs> ill." Merch and all this shit. I could draw it out, but it's hard to explain without taking up 20 minutes. And they had a, a map with pins on where they played. And me and Damien looked at each other like, this is the coolest. That's thing actually mad funny. I think you guys have so many places to play before you really need to go out and do an all US. I think there's places that you can get to. I think. Having a passport is key because it makes, unless you guys are illegally unavailable to go to Canada, I think there's plenty of overnight weekends we could drive to like Burlington, Ontario and play some solid shows. I mean, there's still so much to still play just in the Northeast, you know, Albany, Maine. There's just so many other places to play that you guys could take your time and really seed yourselves at the time that you guys have, you know, so like you said, you're not burning yourselves out. You're not missing work. And really just become that band that everybody knows, even if they only know if you're well known from fucking Maine to North Carolina, that's a big swath of fucking people out to fucking Michigan. Like that's that in itself is the core people 
that you guys should, if you guys can, can, can do that, that's when you come out with the 2024 yeah. LP. You know, I think that, you know, and maybe, maybe that, uh, the, the potential West Coast weekend run or something, but I wouldn't rush to put out new material because then you're stuck playing the new material when people are still finding out about you. And I think that's my only criticism is don't rush the material out and then you rush new material out because then people are checking out. They're like, oh, he's not even playing this shit that I just fucking heard. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about this EP because I'm like, we already are so bad about like, like, come on, tell you, like when we are playing FYA, I'm like, yo, we only have 15 minutes. We're going to have to cut one of these songs. And he's like, but I don't want to cut a song. I'm like, I know, I know you don't want to, but like we don't have time. So we were arguing for like 10, 15 minutes on stage about which song we were going to cut because all of us had different fucking opinions only for them to come up. Well, then one person writes the set list wins. If you don't like it, you fight afterwards. True. But it didn't even matter because Scanlon came up. He's like, hey, if you guys want, you can just start two minutes early and play the song. And I was like, there we go. Dude, Scanlon, always ready with the nah, right he really is. He, All he, right. He's the man. So without beating everyone's ears off, I just wanted to get some time, some FaceTime in with the guys, get you guys to be able to talk about the things that you've been doing because I've been talking about you guys and capping you guys up and talking shit about you and making funny pictures about <laughs> you. But I really wanted you guys, I wanted people to hear your thoughts and talk to you a little bit as we have a fun little podcast here. But um, say your salutations, let people know how to get a hold of you, how they could book you, et cetera, et cetera. And just thank you for coming on. Uh, Fool's Game uh, at gmail.com. That's the email fools game PA Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to book us or just hit me or something up and yeah, we do have a Facebook, but I actually post on it maybe once every two months. Cause Word. I forget that it exists. Um, and yeah, thank you for having us on. I appreciate yeah, it. For- now again, I talked so much about you and I just wanted some time and I, I felt as if, different stages of my ideas and as I'm getting ready for the big digital change with the podcast, I wanted to just have some time to get you guys on and talk and to say, Hey, you guys are doing a great thing for hardcore by being who you are and doing the things that you do. You represent all of us well. And I love seeing the band grow. And I hope that you guys continue on the right path. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Be good. So, Make sure that you go to the TIHC podcast and look up Fool's Game. Look up the Freight Train Beyond Understanding video. Let me know what you think of my drumming skills. Thank you once again to everybody across hardcore land. I was going to announce some shows, but I wanted to keep the focus on Fool's Game. But it would be ignorant for me to not Make sure that you guys both go to the Meat Locker Show in New Jersey for Fool's Game and support the Reaching Out gang because I feel like every other weekend they were trying to make something happy for their record release and this area has been so busy with shows that they haven't been able to get their own record release going. So it is Friday. I should know. What the fucking day would it be? I don't know. Um... What is the day? Let's look. as you look this up instead of just looking at the... I'm looking at the calendar. 
It's a Sunday. See? Completely wrong once again. But at least I don't cut it out anymore. Sunday, reaching out. Fool's game, Bayway, killing me, deal with God, and curate. 4 p.m. This is at Sean's Crazy Saloon in North Arlington, New Jersey. This is their record release party. What was left? Reaching out goes to every fucking show. They come all over. For the age that they are, for the amount of they put in hardcore, you can go out there and support them and um, buy their record. Check them the fuck out. It's more awesome fucking cool hardcore people who get to see young kids in action, kicking ass, taking over the legacy, just like the Fool's Games people. Um, all of our shows are on phillyhcshows.com. Two weeks from now, we will be dealing with the chaos of GB shows. Hopefully, you can come. And this is Philadelphia. Show up. You know the deal. We'll talk later. Thank you. Goodbye.